Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. The heart of the matter, which is always a matter of the heart. Cursed is the man who trusts in man. Hang on to that. Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. For he shall be, verse 6, like a shrub in the desert, and shall not see when good comes. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Jeremiah. Has the world ever let you down in a big way? In today's message, Pastor J.D. wants you to know that you need to stay strong in trusting the Lord, no matter what storms arise. Amidst the alluring promises of the world, never forget that genuine faith combined with the perfect grace of Jesus outshines anything of this world. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Jeremiah chapter 17 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. In the chapter that's before us, God, through the prophet Jeremiah, is going to zero in on the problem of in whom or what do we put our trust. It is my hope and my prayer, and the Lord knows my heart when I say this, that all of us, myself included, will allow the Holy Spirit to search our hearts concerning this matter because the heart of the matter, which is the matter of the heart, that's not a play on words, as we're going to see. What I'm hoping to accomplish in our time together in this study of this chapter, is that we're able, with the Holy Spirit, to answer this question of, do I really trust God? And I know on its on the surface, it's, uh, well, of course I trust God. Well, wait a minute. <laughs> um, do I really trust God with all of my heart? Or is there something or someone in whom I have put my trust instead of putting my trust in the Lord? That's the question before us, and as we're about to see, this would be the reason for the judgment that would come upon Judah. So let's jump in. You ready? Verse 1. The sin of Judah is written with a pen of iron, with the point of a diamond it is engraved on the tablet of their heart and on the horns of your altars. Okay, we're off. (laughs) First verse, I mean, it kind of sets the tone. The chapter begins with this 
description of Judah's sin being indelibly and permanently engraved on their hearts. And this would be the very reason that God would bring judgment upon them. And it would be so far reaching, verse 2, while their children remember their altars and their wooden images by the green trees on the high hills. O my mountain in the field, verse 3, I will give as plunder your wealth, all your treasures, and your high places of sin within all your borders. It seems that Judah's sin was so engraved, permanently, indelibly engraved on the tablets of their hearts, that it would affect and impact the coming generations. It would impact their children. It's been said that when it comes to our children, it's not so much what is taught, it is what is caught. And I think no truer words were ever spoken in that regard. Because our children are watching us. They watch what we do. They watch how we do what we do. This is why it is that I think it is very important for children to be in a worship service or even a Bible study like this with their parents. I think it's sad when that disconnect is made. And it is so important for children to see their parents worshiping God. Well, sadly, the children are going to remember not their parents worshiping God, but worshiping Baal in their idolatry and their wooden images and their altars to Baal. And this just abominable practice, which is just unspeakable, really. And it's so, I don't know how to say it other than just, for lack of a better word, intense. If you really think about it, just how deeply ingrained their sin had become. It was permanently etched in concrete, as we would say never to be removed or erased. It was that deep. It had become who they were, a part of them, deep inside of them. And you, verse 4, even yourself, shall let go of your heritage, which I gave you, and I will cause you to serve your enemies in the land which you do not know, And I want you to pay particular attention to this, for you have kindled a fire in my anger, which shall burn forever. Talk about intense again, for lack of a better word. It's a righteous anger, because God is a righteous God. But they have kindled this fire and angered God. Why? Because they refused 
to heed God's word of warning to them concerning His judgment on them. And it had kindled this fire of anger against them. Again, a righteous anger. Thus says the Lord, verse 5. Now here we come again to the heart of the matter, which is always a matter of the heart. Cursed is the man who trusts in man. Hang on to that. Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart departs from the Lord. For he shall be, verse 6, like a shrub in the desert, and shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness, in a salt land, which is not inhabited. Now, it's so hard because in the original language, this has such a powerful and even poetic meaning, which they would have understood, by the way, because there was this one particular plant here, the word is shrub, that would seemingly from afar, outwardly, seem to be okay, growing. But when you open it up, it's dead inside. There's nothing there. And they would have understood that because (laughs) the barren land was full of these plants, or shrubs if you prefer. And here Jeremiah is likening the one who trusts in man to that shrub, that plant in that desert. It's barren. It's parched. It's salt land, uninhabitable. No fruit, no good can come from it. It's really a curse that comes instead. Why? Because this is the first of several things (laughs) other than the Lord that Judah had put their trust in. They put their trust in man instead of the Lord. Did you catch that, by the way, verse 5, whose heart departs from the Lord? In other words, they were not trusting in the Lord with all of their heart. Instead, their heart had departed from the Lord, and now they were trusting in man, the arm of flesh. I didn't inquire of the Lord about it. I just want to be as transparent as I possibly can. The Lord has been doing a profoundly deep work in my life concerning this. It's just something, I just have this proclivity, maybe better word, propensity to want to put confidence in, trust in the experts, the professionals. I mean, there's nothing wrong with looking to those type of people, but when we take the trust that belongs only to the Lord, and we put our trust in man instead of the Lord, that's where the problem comes. Because see, at the end of the day, we give the credit then to man and not the Lord. 
And for me, and the Lord's always gracious and gentle, whenever I've trusted in man, he's always led that man who I put my trust in to completely disappoint me and let me down and fail me. And the one who puts his trust in the Lord will never be disappointed, never be ashamed. And see here, I'm looking to the arm of flesh. I'm trusting in man. I mean, after all, they're the expert. And I'm looking to them, and it's almost like, and I'll just speak for myself, it's almost like the Lord's going, JD, I'm the great physician. I'm I'm the great physician. You're putting your confidence in man. You're putting your trust in the arm of flesh. Oh man, are you in for a disappointment? Put your trust in me. Trust me. Don't trust man. Man is not to be trusted, especially now. I mean, I want to be careful when I say this and how I say this, but over the last couple of years, I have lost complete confidence in the so-called experts and professionals. Oh good, you got it, so I don't have to say anymore. <laughs> oh, please don't censor that. Verse 7, notice the contrast. Cursed is the man who trusts in man. Verse 7, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. Ah, and whose hope is in the Lord. And again, look at this contrast. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters. Oh, now we're talking which spreads out its roots by the river, and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green, and will not be anxious, no anxiety, in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. Does this sound a little bit like Psalm 1? That's because it's like Psalm 1 the blessing that comes on those who put their trust in the Lord. Do not sit in the seat listening to ungodly counsel, but take heed to the word of the Lord, trusting in the Lord. Everything around you can be completely barren, but you will always thrive. I heard a story many years ago, true story, about a farmer, man of God, trusted the Lord. (laughs) In farming, you kind of have to. Oh Lord, we talked about that. But he just, he honored the Lord with his produce, the first fruits of his wealth and increase. He always honored the Lord. He always trusted the Lord. He was a man of God, trusted God. Well, there came this storm and tornado, and it ripped through all of these farmlands, until it got to his property line. And it went up and over and back down. 
That's this. That's this. Oh, wait, no, no. You're trusting in me, and I'm never going to let you down. I will never fail you. Oh, we sing it, we say it, we memorize it, we quote it. The Lord never fails. His love never fails. But do we really believe it? I know this is a proper sentence structure, but he can't not come through. Oh, here's JD. He's trusting me. I can't let him down. It's not that I won't let him down. It's impossible. I cannot. He's putting his trust in me. He will not be let down. I will not fail him. I cannot fail him. I'm going to provide for him. I'm going to protect him. He's trusting in me. And yes, <laughs> famine, drought, plague, pestilence, you fill in the blank all around, but not for the one who trusts in the Lord. Here's this plant, dead, nothing there, parched, barren, compared to this tree. And oh, interesting, the imagery, and it's not just Psalm 1 and here, it's other places in Scripture as well. Get the picture in your mind's eye. Use your God-given imagination and paint this picture on the canvas of your mind. You got a tree and the roots are down deep, and they got the water source. So it doesn't matter what's happening because of the roots down deep and the water that supplies that tree. That's the man who trusts in the Lord. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. Uh, do you get the impression, by the way, that Judah was trusting in man and not the Lord? Well, it gets worse. Verse 9, this very well-known verse, and we need to talk about this. The heart, remember the heart of the matter is a matter of the heart. The heart, you ready? You know it, is deceitful. You lie, you lie above all things. There's actually three things. That's the first one. And it's all downhill from here. So not only is the heart deceitful above all things, it's desperately wicked. Now let me uh, fill in a blank here, because this carries with it the idea of being incurable, terminally ill, <laughs> desperately wicked. It's, it's incurable. So not only is it deceitful, your heart, it's incurable. And to add insult to injury, who can know it? In other words, you don't even know it. You, your heart is deceiving you, lying to you, and you're believing your own lies. You know who the biggest liar is in your life? You! Yeah. Every time you look at yourself in the mirror, which I try not to do, you're looking at the biggest liar you know, because your heart is deceitful above all things. Just to grasp 
just how deceitful the heart is. It is so deceitful that your heart, if you're trusting in your heart, say, well, hey, I'm not trusting in man. Oh, are you trusting in your own heart? Oh, how, how, do, how, how do we say it? Be true to your heart. No! Follow your heart. Don't! It's deceiving you. It's, it's leading you down the wrong path. To have a deceitful heart is a heart that deceives you and lies to you, and you believe it. You've been deceived, self-deceived. Well, what does that look like, or what does that sound like? Well, I'll just again use my own, myself as an example. I'll, I'll take one for the team again. <laughs> Here's what that looks like in my life. My heart will say something to me like, you know, it's all good. You lie. It's not good. It's really bad. No, you're, you're, you're pretty good. No, you're not. It's a lie. Don't believe it. Don't be deceived by it. Because your, your heart is deceiving you, telling you lies. Tell me lies, tell me. Yeah, I don't want to do that. Whew. That's a flashback. Okay, I'm back. Sorry about that. No, your heart will lie to you and tell you what you want to hear. And we fully cooperate when our heart does that. Here's our heart deceiving us, lying to us, and we're like, yeah, yeah, that sounds, sounds right. Sounds right. No! Let's talk about being terminally ill. It's incurable until the Holy Spirit indwells you and regenerates you from the inside out and changes your heart. That's the only hope. That's the only cure. He gives you a new heart. And oh, by the way, as we started out, I don't want to take too much time on this, but their sin had been indelibly and permanently etched on the tablets of their heart. Where have you heard that before? The law of the Lord, the Word of God, indelibly and permanently etched and engraved on the tablets of our heart. That's how He changes our heart. So, <laughs> you trusting in man, or you're trusting in your own heart? And lastly, this, this third one, and we haven't got to verse 10 yet, we'll get there. Who can know it? That's a, that's a question mark, by the way. You notice that? You see that question mark there? Question. Who can know it? Uh, answer, verse 10. I, the Lord. I know the heart. I see the heart. Man only looks at the outward appearance, but I, I know your heart. I'm trying to tell you about your heart, because you don't know your heart. Who, who, who but me can know your heart? I, verse 10, the Lord, search the heart. And then he says this, wow, I test the mind. 
We are so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Throughout this book, the prophet Jeremiah is speaking words that God has given him, warning the Israelite nation that judgment is sure to come. But the people don't want to hear it. They'd rather carry on in their revelry, living their best life now. If you've noticed, there's a mentality of that in today's culture, too. Don't you dare give anyone warning about the red flags in their life. They're just taking that idea of eat, drink, and be merry and running with it. Unfortunately, these warnings in Jeremiah weren't heeded. and That's how it can be today as well, as God gives fair warning about what's to come in the future. But are you prepared for what God's warnings are? Have you taken heed to what he speaks and teaches about in his word? These aren't just mentioned as a side note. Everything in God's word is intentional and has a purpose. If you'd like to know more about what this all means, we encourage you to go to our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. There, you'll find the ABCs of salvation under the resources tab. This provides an in-depth overview of what it means to believe that Jesus died for your sins and that he can save you from a life and eternity without him. If you're in the area and would like to connect with some others in person about this, we invite you to join us at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. You can find directions at our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. We hope you'll join Pastor J.D. for the next edition in Jeremiah, here on In Spirit and Truth.